But uh, or or was the one you got Boner Frankenstein? Hung Wankenstein. Hung Wankenstein. <laughs> Radio Drone. It's another episode of Radio Drone. I am Josh Hadley. With me as always, even though he wasn't here last week, Cecil is back! Hazoi! Hazoi? It's an old, old G4 thing. You're a moron. <laughs> yeah, and I am. It'll be just Cecil and I tonight. Peter had to celebrate Canadian Thanksgiving. I guess he doesn't realize that that's not till next month as we're coming up on Halloween, but Canadians are weird. So before we get into the topic, you guys need to go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, free U.S. shipping, and a free power O-ring. Still not sure what it is, but a power O-ring. O is probably for orgasm. Just use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. That said, I mentioned Halloween is coming up. Not Thanksgiving, weird Canadians. Halloween is coming up. So I want to talk about every Halloween, you always see, oh, look at all the scary movies coming to Netflix. And, you know, you got the horror serials and all the horror comics and everything's horror themed for Halloween. Let's talk about horror movies just in general. The differences, what's good and what's bad. When you think of a horror movie, what type do you immediately go to, Cecil? Are you, like, horror movie brings up a Jason Voorhees or a Michael Myers? Or does it bring up Dracula or a werewolf? Or does it bring up an evil witch or spells? What What is your horror go-to? Well, I mean, there's a difference between, like, what scares me and what I typically go to. Uh, if I'm looking for my standard horror films that are my go-to that I just enjoy, it's usually a slasher. You know, your Jason Voorhees, your The Burning, Freddy Krueger's, that kind of thing. Uh, you, nine times out of ten, even if it's a newer slasher, as long as they're not found footage or PG-13, uh, they're usually consistently entertaining and fun. If I'm looking for something to scare the shit out of me, I will go with a horror film that is either something with ghosts or something with bugs, and I will be hiding under the couch. And see, for me, the go-to horror is less of the the, the slashers or, you know, like what, what Harlan Ellison used to call knife-kill movies, more for... You know, the, the creepy witch resurrecting the, the demon to take revenge. And I, I go more for the atmospheric kind of thing. Like, to me, Todd Browning's Dracula is a really effective horror movie because of the sets and the lighting and the mood. It doesn't need Bagool to jump out <laughs> to make a creepy atmosphere. To me, that that's where I go for horror. Or, in a weird way, I go for realistic stuff. Like, to me, one of the most scary movies ever made is Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. That's not a slasher movie, at least not in the traditional sense. It's not a supernatural film. It's effective because of how brutally real it is. So sometimes real horror can really sting you, too. 
as far as uh, horror, it does encompass so many different things. Uh, I was just kind of boiling it down to uh, what uh, what I go to and what works for me. But uh, oh, there's there's plenty of uh, genuinely good movies uh, stuff with like uh, God the um, the the witch that just came out uh, earlier this year was like so heavy in atmosphere and it just it wasn't jump scares it wasn't a lot of uh you know people being murdered and whatnot but it just had this presence that weighed on you and just weird things that happened and made you more and more uncomfortable as the movie went on so stuff like that absolutely works and uh i've always said we need more movies like that but we get so many people that uh uh like the people would talk about the witch if you go to the imdb and you look up the messages uh this movie's boring and meanwhile i'm sitting there chewing my fingernails off because i'm like oh my god what the hell's going on here you get some people that don't really understand that the difference between what is scary and being startled when you have shit jumping out at you every five seconds it's just startling you oh now, look a, it was a cat a well-placed jump scare is terrific. A well-placed jump scare used maybe once or twice in a film is incredibly effective. But when you start throwing them in every five seconds, Blair Witch Project 2016, it just has no effect anymore. You start to laugh at it because you, oh God, here comes something. It's going to jump at the camera again. It's not scary. It's and then and then at that point, it's not even startling anymore because you know it's going to happen. With with Halloween being right around the corner, like I said, we're seeing monsters everywhere, even you know on serials and all that. Do you think horror gets diluted when it becomes more mainstream? Like, does Count Chocula? do more damage to the the brand of the vampire than Twilight does? Or are they all still horror? Because back when I was taking Fangoria to task, before I worked for them, they made a mistake that cost them so many of their readers, and that was when they had the, I think it was the second Twilight movie, on the cover, and they did a cover feature. And people were like, that's not horror, why is that in Fangoria? And I'm going... It's werewolves and vampires and in a, a pregnancy eating its way out of a woman. Like it or not, it's horror. I think that, uh, I mean, like, it has the trappings of horror, but really it's its own milk toast genre. I mean, the Twilight movies, uh, I don't think that they, I don't think they harmed horror movies in the way that people think. What happened was when they did so well, it made studios want to invest in more romantic movies about uh, werewolves and vampires. So it kind of took money away from vampire and werewolf movies. So it was like we didn't get we didn't get the really good werewolf movies. We got uh, Blood and Chocolate which in and of itself I kind of thought was okay. It was based off of a book, but that was another like uh, young adult werewolf movie that was based off of a book. And I think that that was kind of how it ended up hurting vampires and werewolves was that uh, they took the money away from money that would have gone to something else. And then at the time, it also made the public a little bit sick of vampires and werewolves. There was a movie that came out right around that time called Daybreakers. That was an excellent unique take on vampires but nobody went to see it because they were just so tired because it was actually good 
Yeah, well, number one, because it was good, and number two, because people were really tired of vampires and werewolves and how much they had been watered down, so they just didn't go to see it. I think that was how it really uh, ended up hurting it. Uh, stuff like Count Chocula and all that, that hurts That hurts vampires and werewolves and horror about as much as seeing Darth Vader pop lock in at Disneyland. But at the same time, a lot of people credit like the old universal horror movies doesn't matter what generation you grew up in whether those were new movies at the time or you caught them on tv like i did growing up or on dvd or on video a lot of people say the universal monster movies you can pinpoint exactly when they stopped being scary when they met abbott and costello i disagree with that i actually think the abbott and costello meet the various monster movies they're entertaining as hell i think they're kind of funny and you know what I don't think it dilutes Dracula, Frankenstein, Werewolf, Mummy, or any of that. But a lot of people, I I hear it constantly. Abbott and Costello killed the Universal Monsters. I don't agree. I don't agree either. I think that uh, there was nothing wrong with that. I mean, especially considering how many uh, horror comedies we've had that have come along where they'll poke fun at uh, whatever monster. You know, you got your Transylvania 6 5000s and stuff that uh, are fun. I mean, it doesn't really – it takes the piss out of something, but it still ends up being entertaining. So with uh, Abbott and Costello and uh, the Universal Monsters, I don't think that that, uh, that did as much damage as they thought. I think that they maybe – the the public started seeing that they were running out of ideas and that might have uh, affected them but i mean if you're going to talk about having a negative impact on that what about all the horror films all the horror hammer films that continued well beyond that that were genuinely scary and they were you know based off of the universal monsters i i don't uh, i don't agree i think that uh, they just kind of needed to do something different do you think that when you try something different that Horror is a genre in an, unto itself. Do you think that horror as a genre unto itself taints, in, in, in a good way or a bad way, those other genres that it touches? For instance, like when you have, not talking about the quality of the movie, but you have something like Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter. Westerns that are definitely horror movies, but they're also Westerns. Where you, or you have something like Alien. That's really more of a sci-fi movie, but it's also really a horror movie. Do you think that horror, more than any other genre, is able to cross-pollinate more? Because, I mean, yes, you can have a comedy in a sci-fi setting or a horror setting or a western, but it's not as seamless as horror. Because I will watch just about any um, horror melding. Uh, Like the movie I just did, Late Phases, it was a horror family drama. So it... You know, horror does really blend with a lot of different genres that other genres wouldn't really go so well. I mean, uh, I can't think of any action dramas off the top of my head. Horror, especially when it comes to Halloween, is weird. Any other month of the year other than October, if you put out severed limbs and ghosts and stuff, cops would probably get called. But around Halloween, we accept it. And that's what people do for horror movies. For one thing, I hate them being called scary movies. I I keep seeing these lists on Facebook. All of the scary movies coming to Netflix. Shut up, you whining little twat. Why do you think in October people are willing to watch a Hellraiser movie or a Howling or something like that when in December it just feels weird? 
Uh, it's, it's just the timing of it. Uh, people are more open to, uh, you know, Halloween. The, the temperature is starting to drop and, uh, it just feels like that time of year. And, uh, I don't know. People get into that hollow holiday feature. I guess it's the same thing of like why you're not going to watch uh, a Christmas movie in the middle of June. It just doesn't feel right. It just, it feels better. Like I can watch a horror movie any time of the year. It does feel a little more special when you're watching it in October. Why do you think horror works when it works so well? Like, earlier we were talking about atmosphere. There's a little seen movie, I, I don't even think it ever came out on VHS, let alone DVD, that I know you have seen because I sent it to you. The Haunted from 1991. It was a Fox TV movie. One of the scariest fucking movies I have ever seen in my entire life. It's a TV movie. There's nothing graphic in it. There's no gore. Well, well, there's no swearing. Okay, Jeffrey gets ghost raped off camera, technically. Uh, but this, yes, it was pretty. I don't think they'd be able to get away with it today if they were to try that again. It's this pretty, was nineteen. This was nineteen ninety one Fox too. It's pretty graphic for TV. You know, it's it's but, not it's not HBO uh, with the the dragon show rape, but it was pretty graphic for a TV movie. But, I mean, do you agree with me that that movie just exudes atmosphere to the point where it didn't need ghoul scares? It was, I am fucking uneasy watching this movie. The scene where they went camping. And that and, little ball? And, well, the, well, I'm talking more of, like, the neighbors are like, what's going on in the house? And there's screams and, like, I was the like. Shadow, the, 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 the shadow, the silhouettes in the windows. I was like, this is terrifying. <laughs> so uh, that is effective. Now, I like I said earlier, ghosts uh, always get under my skin. So I am a little bit biased towards that. But even still, I've showed other people that movie. It's it's just scary. It's just the atmosphere of it. The you know you've got a, a really good cast in it. Uh, Sal, was it Sally Kellerman or K Kirkland? Sally Kirkland and Jeffrey Demun and uh, like they were really good. And it's just it's well done. It's scary. It's believable. The effects are well done. Does not feel like a typical TV movie. And, uh, I think that it just, uh, it's, it's a shame. It, uh, more people should know about it because it is one of the few really genuinely scary horror movies. And it was a TV movie. An early nineties TV movie, no less. I mean, it didn't have most uh, highest production budget, but it didn't uh, I mean, need it, it. It didn't. Well, I'm saying there was no, there was nothing really flashy about it. I mean, it was shot, you know, it wasn't any, any real crazy camera. It was shot like a TV movie. It was shot like a TV movie, but the thing is it, it overcame the TV movie stigma. It was, uh, it was that good. Well, see, now you said you, uh, we know from lots of different episodes, you're scared of bugs and ghosts. My thing is, alien abduction stuff i think i make i made the biggest mistake of when i watched a three-part x-files episode about alien abductions right before bed man does that fucking mess with your head man when you're asleep fire in the sky it's not a horror movie but that 20 minute flashback sequence is fucking scary man i mean literally i had goosebumps when i watched that last week that sequence is horrifying isn't it yeah, that, uh, is... But yeah, that, but, but, but that's not a horror movie. So isn't that weird? You could do that back to back with communion and just then go hide in a closet somewhere. It was meant to be scary. It was a scary thing that happened. And, uh, I, I don't think that that's really, uh, all that bad. I mean, there are 
there are action movies that have scary moments in them. So it's not specifically a horror movie. It was really more of a uh, drama thriller. But uh, it did have that ending that was terrifying. And that was kind of how they sold the movie. They're like, you know, your last 20 minutes of the film, you're going to be, uh, you know, shit in your pants. And I agree. Yeah, alien abduction stuff is also really scary. I had a friend of mine who was really big into uh, the alien abduction stuff, and we used to watch the X-Files and talk about that stuff all the time. And uh, he was like a member of MUFON and watch all kinds of stuff and watch the, uh, was it the McPherson tapes? And uh, just get all creeped out about alien abduction. So that stuff does creep me out. I am scared of a lot of alien Close stuff. Encounter, okay, Cecil, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, not a horror movie. That sequence where the little boy is being taken from Melinda Dillon's house, that's scary. Scary as hell. And yet really that's is. not a horror movie. But, you know, but again, there are scary moments within all kinds of movies. It, uh, But yeah, that is, uh, that. well, it's just that it's so well done, too. I mean, man, did they, they just really, did, like, oh, God, I, I just, I'm seeing it in my head now with all the lights shining through the windows and the door flinging open and the, you know, it's, it was just really, really good movie. And yeah, that is a very scary part in that. Do you think that people take horror movies for granted? Like with how Octo like like the, that Facebook thing, the scary movies coming to Netflix in October. Do you think people kind of take them for granted? Because we live in this world. I write for a horror movie magazine. I write for Fangoria. You watch these movies for a living. We're either more or less sensitive to this whole scary movies on Netflix thing. I think that in general, like horror is kind of the the dirty laundry. It's the like thing that a lot of people like, but they don't want to admit that they like. I thought that was uh, porn. Uh, well, that that's the other thing that people <laughs> that people like that they don't admit that they like. But a uh, horror is the mainstream thing that like if you were to corner somebody, they'd be like, "All right, I like the horror movie, but you know, I like uh, Debbie Does Dallas." Oh no, I don't. I don't like that. But uh, or or was the one you got Boner Frankenstein? Hung Wankenstein. Hung Wankenstein. <laughs> You're not going to get somebody who's like, oh, yeah, I, I like Hung Wankenstein. But uh, horror is that, uh, like, guilty pleasure that uh, people will have that you'll you'll get them to admit, okay, you know, uh, it's October, so I'm going to watch uh, Friday the 13th or whatever uh, horror, you know, I'm going to watch Scream or something. So it it does have a weird stigma to it that uh, most mainstream people won't admit that they just like it. Do you think there's a difference between horror and gore? Because I'm looking at something like The Walking Dead. It's not a very horror show. I mean, it's about zombies and that, so it falls in the horror genre. There's very few legitimate scares. They go for the bagul so many times with a zombie who apparently decided to be quiet and just hide behind a tree until somebody came out and make no noise because, you know, bad producing. That that show is all about gore than it is about actually having a horrific setting to it. Whereas something like Day of the Dead from 1985, yes, it's got the gore, but that setting is so oppressively bleak that that, I think, qualifies as way more of a horror zombie setting than The Walking Dead does, which is just all about how graphically can we make people be eaten on TV. There are a lot of movies where, a lot of, and TV shows, where the gore can really punctuate something and make it even more terrifying. When you start to overuse it, that's when it gets a little, like, not scare anymore and starts to become comedic. I know you're not a fan of The Walking Dead, but uh, I think that they do a pretty good job of skirting the line, of um, showing the gore 
when it's effective and when it's scary. You know, somebody opening a door and a zombie leaps in and bites them in the neck. I mean, it, it really kind of drives the point home. Okay, this person's dead. With The Walking Dead, it's been going on for so long, and you get attached to these characters, you don't want to see the horrible things happen to them. So when you see somebody, you know, getting bit or, or uh, being injured in some way, it sucks, and you're you're sad, and you feel something. So I think in that case, uh, the gore is effective, and it works. My, my point was that people confuse gore with horror. I, I Like Game of Thrones. People often, oh my god, this scene was so scary. It's like, no... That scene was just gory, not scary. People seem to confuse blood and guts with being scary, and that's where I think the problem comes in. Horror subgenres are cyclical because you tend to see patterns. Like, you know, like in the early 80s, you had the slasher movie boom. And then, again, in the early 80s, you had all those werewolf movies that came out within a two- or three-year period. You had all the vampire movies after, you know, in the early 90s, after Interview with a Vampire. And then and then you had all the zombie movies after Walking Dead got popular and all that. Do you think that this stuff is cyclical for a reason? Or do you think that, that these things go in cycles for a specific reason? Or is it just complete everyone's cashing in on what's hot right now? Because the audience needs to be there or these wouldn't happen on two or three year cycles would wouldn't they uh it's like anything once something takes off it becomes like the next de facto thing that everybody tries to rip off you know paranormal activity made a crap ton of money so there was a lot of ghost movies and a lot of uh found footage movies that came out of that twilight hit so now uh we had a bunch of young adult novels being made into movies uh action movies you know when we had natural disaster things like were the big thing for a while so it's just it, it always kind of comes and it'll go for a while and right now it's superhero movies although superhero movies have been a little bit more consistent because there's so much more to pull from you know you could you have all kinds of different characters you know people that really want to see their favorite characters so they're going to make this character in this movie in this movie as opposed to like natural disaster movies there's only so many times you can do an earthquake you know whereas this it's like all right well we can have different characters and different villains and they can spin it a little bit uh you know more uniquely it's it's just like anything it'll uh it'll get hot for a while and then it'll die down and then it'll come back why does horror have sort of the reputation that it has and by that i mean you go to any film school you look at all these aspiring filmmakers you ask them what they want to make. Oh, I want to make this period drama, or I've got this sci-fi think piece, or I've got I've got this family thing, or I've got this comedy. No one ever goes. You know what? I want to make Beach Babes from Beyond the Moon, Attack of Attack of the Lizard People Part Two. Nobody ever says that. Yet, what is the most leaving porn out of this? What is the most successful movie genre of all time? Horror. It always brings in the money yet it's always the lower echelon. You look at any mainstream director or actor working today, if they started in a horror film, they always kind of, yeah, well, I made that movie, and then I started making real films. Why do you think horror is, like I said, the most popular, yet it's also the one with the least credibility? bit of a pushback to that there's a lot of directors who uh started started out they wanted to do horror and then they uh branched out and started doing more mainstream things but eventually uh they would uh, transition back and would do horror every once in a while i mean look at uh, sam raimi sam raimi uh started off with the evil dead and went off and you know was doing oz and spider-man movies and humongous budget movies and he wanted to go back to his roots and he made drag me to hell 
So, uh, like, he's somebody who's still embracing his horror roots. There's less of a stigma with it, especially because so many directors have gotten their start in horror, because the movies don't cost a lot to make, and honestly, budget ends up hurting horror movies. Like, when they start to get too much money, that's when they start to bring in, like, the bigger name actors, and they'll start getting, like, more CGI involved. And instead of being like, okay, we're going to go with a bunch of actors who are good, but they're not really well-known, and we're going to go with uh, as many practical effects as we possibly can, usually it ends up working out really well, as long as they've got, like, a good script and whatnot. When you got your bigger actors, then it's like, okay, well... Here's a horror movie. Well, we know Brad Pitt's not going to die. So that like takes that element out of it. And then with something like uh, World War Z, you've got just CGI zombies everywhere. And it looks like garbage. There is a stigma there. Or not as much anymore. For instance, like from 1973 when The Exorcist was nominated for an Oscar, up until 1991 when Silence of the Lambs was, no horror film had been nominated for any major Oscar. And even when Silence of the Lambs was, they went out of their way to not call it a horror film. Jonathan Demme was on Entertainment Tonight saying, it's not a horror film, it's a suspense thriller. Greg Nicotero wonderfully points out, it's about a serial killer that eats other people's faces, helping the FBI catch another serial killer who is trying to wear women's skin. It's a fucking horror film. But they wouldn't call it that. They refused to call it a horror film. There are so many movies, especially when Oscar time comes around, it's not a horror film, it's a suspense thriller. That right there proves that there is still a stigma around horror. It's, uh, it is, as I said earlier, it's the dirty laundry. It's the thing that, uh, they don't want to admit that they like. They don't want to talk about, uh, that it's good. And they don't want to talk about how, when it's done really well, they can have a, something like, uh, the Sounds of the Lambs on their hands. And then it's funny though, you've got stuff like Hannibal and Red Dragon, where they tried to embrace the horror element so much more, and they ended up being crappy. Let's just stick with the Hannibal Lecter franchise. Manhunter is the most effective out of all of those. That that entire Inagata DeVita sequence is freaking tense as hell, and it's scary, and it's really a crime movie. But it achieved more horror than any of the post Silence of the Lambs sequels. That says something about how bad you screwed those sequels up, isn't it? Hell yeah, Manhunter probably cost one tenth of what those sequels cost too. And, and, you know, I, I'm on record. I always will say, I think Anthony Hopkins does a fine job in silence. Brian Cox does a way better job in Manhunter. He he is Hannibal Lecter as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and that's why I was so annoyed with Red Dragon was that Manhunter was outstanding, and then they wanted to go back and redo the book, and then they did it, and it stunk. That's because Brett Ratner shot it like a TV movie. It was so bland and flat, and there was no imagination whatsoever to how Red Dragon was shot. You look at Manhunter, that thing is shot like a music video, and I say that for once in a good way. That thing was so stylish, and the lighting, and the camera work, and then Brett Ratner comes in, and he's like, just screw all of that, just keep the actors in frame. Make sure, was was that... The one, or was it Hannibal? Ray Liotta was aiding his own brain. That was Hannibal. That was Hannibal, okay. Horror also does take imagination. You know, you need good lighting. You you need style. That That's why I think, and I know I'm a snob in this, 
shot on video horror doesn't work as well because you cannot get the same atmosphere that you can when you have a budget, when when you are able to get lighting and fog effects and silhouettes and shadows, when you're just shooting your neighbor in in an overcoat with an axe chasing you through through you know, a random apartment. I'm sorry, it just it doesn't affect me. Horror does require a budget to be effective, at least to me. It is more effective if it's got atmosphere and proper actors and like it just it works. But I have seen some really small budgeted films. They they worked. Now, granted, they were still shot on film. You know, it was like 16 millimeter uh, as opposed to to video. But a lot of times the vast majority of, uh, as Brad says, uh, shot on shittio, uh, they're they're just they're just bad and they look bad. Well, and then we've got another really disturbing trend in horror. You did a whole video on it. The Bagool. Like, what the hell is happening to Blumhouse? Now, I'm not a fan of Blumhouse in general. I, I can see what they're trying to do, and I also see how they are sticking their own thumb up their ass constantly with Bagooling everything. Do you want to explain what Bagooling is in case the audience doesn't know. Uh, in case you don't know, Ghoul kind of started with, there was the, the original Sinister, which came out a few years ago, and I loved it. I still think that it's a terrific movie. However, ending of the film, terrifying ending. The original ending of the film was the the box with the film in it and the camera slowly uh, panning uh, away from it. They showed it to the studio, and the studio wanted, you know, they were like, well, we got to end the movie on something, a big scare. And it's like, what are you talking about? A, a, an eight-year-old girl butchering her family with an axe and filming it isn't scary? Bagul! Right. Bagul was this entity that he kind of comes into our world every once in a while. And the thing was, uh, at the end of the film, they added in Bagul jumping out at the camera. Along with a loud, loud sound effect. Along with a blah, with a loud stinger, and then cut to black. And the thing is, as I talked about in my video, that cuts the tension. It, it gives the audience an out. Because most of the time when something like that happens, your reaction is to laugh. So you're not walking out of the theater like, oh my god, I can't believe that just happened. You're walking out of the theater laughing. That ending became so popular, Blumhouse has used it in, and not just Blumhouse, lots of other production companies have. The Bagool ending lags modern horror films. Everyone does the Bagool ending now, where something jumps at the camera right before the credits, and you're like, well, that was stupid. The Bagool ending needs to be done away with. Yeah, they need to stop it. I think that ending on that final scare, the Bagool ending, it's such a cop-out, and they need to knock it off, because... As I said in the video, anytime I went to see a movie, they had a, uh, you know, I saw the Blumhouse logo pop up. There was a greater than 50% chance that I knew how it was going to end. So it was like, okay, uh, oh, there we go. And it just was ruining so many movies because I'm like, okay, this is really cool. Oh, look, it jumped out at the camera. It's just a cut and paste ending at this point. It's just old and they need to just cut it out. Well, but then that, that also just brings up jump scares. People also seem to misassociate horror with I jumped. Now, those two things are not mutually exclusive, but they're not mutually inclusive either. You don't have to have a jump scare to be horror, but I think horror doesn't need jump scares. There are times they are done super effectively, Exorcist 3, which is, Exorcist 3 is arguably the greatest setup jump scare in movie history. Because 
William Peter Blatty knew exactly how long to hold the shot, and he knew exactly when you weren't expecting what happens to happen. You can you can do it effectively. I'm not trying to say you can't. What I'm saying is it's so overused, knock it off. And the 80s slasher movies that we love did it all the time. How many times is the sheriff or the girl or whoever looking for the killer or looking to try and escape, and that cat jumps out from the garbage can? So this is not a new thing, unfortunately, though, Cecil. No, it's not. There's, uh, in, in my favorite Friday the 13th of all of them, Friday the 13th part seven, they, they open a closet. Whoa, 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 whoa. You like seven more than six? Six is the best one. No, seven's the best one. Jason versus Carrie, really? Yes, Jason versus Carrie. Part six is way better, man. I'm not saying that six is, believe me, I love all of them with the exception of nine. Nine's but, not even a real Friday the 13th movie. Nine's not even a real Friday the 13th movie. The story behind nine is better than nine. But regardless, I love seven and they, the couple goes into a room and they open a closet and a cat jumps out. And my whole thing is, okay, this cabin has been empty. They go into there to spend, you know, a week. They've been there for a couple days. They open a door and a cat jumps out and the cat's fu- like, how the hell did the cat get in the closet? <laughs> I, I say that in a lot of things. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull has a lot of problems. Remember when they go into the temple and then all of the like the aborigines start breaking out of the walls? I'm I'm thinking. So wait, did they do they take shifts <laughs> or do, do do they just wait in case that you know once every hundred years somebody might wander into the temple or wait what? Yeah, they're they're all like, all right, all right, Joe, it's it's your turn. You have to sit here for the next twelve hours. Morning, Sam. Oh, oh, uh, morning, Ralph. Uh, have a good day. They're they're working in shifts to to just wait. Yeah, that kind of nonsense. I mean, it, wait, when you really step back and think about it, you're like, oh, come on. But that's that's also just really crappy ass writing. Because well, Crystal Skull was just bad across the board. Right. I'm just using that as an example. But because, yeah. yeah, but but lots of horror movies do that. Something in the closet. Like, I love Gremlins. And that there's only one really, real big jump scare in the first Gremlins. And that's when Billy opens the, the electrical box in the pool and Stripe jumps out. And you're like, but he had to break the lock. How did Stripe get in there? And Joe Dante's basically like, doesn't matter. It just, it worked as a jump scare. Shut up. But, but you're like, but how did Stripe get in the electrical box? Yeah, like how? And why he, was he there? Yeah, and, and did he know that? All right, I'm gonna sit here. Hopefully, somebody comes and opens this because I'm gonna scare the shit out of him. Exactly. So I, that's why I don't think jump scares are effective, especially like how the Blair Witch does it. The Blair Witch. How many times did they have that? The, the the camera because you know the whole movie's phone footage the so the camera is arguably your now, eye the character's perspective just, and then they turn around and somebody's right there. Just to clarify, to let people know, we're talking Blair Witch 2016, not the original the Blair, Blair Witch. Witch. No, the first one's the the first one's the, the Blair, Blair Witch, Witch project. project. This is the Blair Witch. I actually, specifically just, said it like that. Actually, it's just Blair Witch. Okay, well, there's, there's no the. I still I wanted to clarify because I know there are people who would who would take it as such. But uh, but, yes, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. They must have pulled this. Nine, ten. My girlfriend and I were the only ones in the theater when I saw this, and and every time the camera would start to pan, she's like, "Who's standing behind him now?" Because then, it was just, it was like they had no imagination at all in this movie. When it comes out on video, I want to get it simply because I I 
would love to put together a supercut of how many times they do the same exact thing. I, I'm going to go down and say a minimum of 10 times. In a 90-minute movie, actually, I think it might have been less than 90 yeah, minutes. Yeah, it was only like an hour 22 with credits, I think. Yeah, in an 82-minute movie, to have the same jump like 10 times is reprehensible. That's indicative of what modern filmmaking is. Every mo- every slasher movie that comes out now, every supernatural movie has the some you know the character is at the edge of the frame and then some something puts their hand on their shoulder they jump oh it's just their best friend they just like Bagul that is so overused you guys need to learn you filmmakers out there need to learn what's an effective jump scare I'm not saying copy Exorcist three but look at why that hallway scene in Exorcist three works so well. It works so well for two reasons. One, Blatty set you up perfectly because he knew what you were expecting to happen. So he played against those, but also he set up so much mood. And the way it was just so effective how the acting was that that works. People don't seem to look at why Exorcist 3 works as well as it does. Oh, absolutely. It's it's really scary, and uh, I think that uh, not as many people have seen it as they probably should. I guess the sequelitis thing, they think, oh, God, anything past the first one, you know, you get degrading quality. And 3 is a very scary movie. When it comes to Exorcist 3, and we'll do a full retrospective at some point next year, but when it comes to Exorcist 3, there are people that just oh, it's the third one, and two was terrible. No way, three is good. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, that's usually the way these things work, is if the first movie's amazing, and then the second one takes a major dip in quality, they usually continue to to trickle down. So three, uh, The Exorcist 3, really kind of bucks that, and, uh, you know, puts out a movie that is genuinely good, and uh, is the movie that two should have been. Well, and then we got to talk about, I know you hate this word, but I'm just going to, I'm going to use this term just for, as a shortcut, torture porn, where you have movies like Hostel and Wolf Creek and stuff like that. People think it's scary just to watch someone be brutally, brutally tortured. Even the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Marcus Nispel movies, they just brutally show you all the gore and you're like, do you guys understand why the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre was so scary? Because you didn't do any of that. All you did was graphically show Leatherface gutting people. That it takes such a skill that there are just so many hacks out there, like a Marcus Nispel who don't understand it, or... Does the audience not really want an original Texas Chainsaw Massacre versus a remake? Um, as you know, I'm not a fan of the term uh, torture porn because the majority of the time it's completely mislabeling something. Wolf Creek is not torture porn. Wolf Creek is a... Now, Wolf Creek 2, even though I don't like the term torture porn, I think that Wolf Creek 2 has a lot more of what you would consider to be torture, which is why I wasn't particularly fond of Wolf Creek 2. But I want to clarify quick. When I use the term torture porn, I look at something like the... The first Hostel, well, actually both Hostel movies, the focus is how much and how long they hang on these shots of people getting limbs cut off and skin taken out and eaten. It's the exact same thing you do in porn. 
That's why I think the hostile movies are torture porn. The reason you go to see the hostile movies is because of the graphic tortures. Not because you want to see a scary movie. Not because you want to see the story. You go to see people being tortured. That's how I define a torture porn movie. And I think the hostile movies are absolutely that. I disagree. I think uh, like something with Flowers of Flesh and Blood is more uh, of what would be considered torture porn because there is literally nothing else in the movie aside from somebody being tortured. I think that the Have story... Have you ever seen the Japanese movie Grotesque? That's uh, torture porn. Is that another one? Yeah, Grotesque. I think, there, there's I, literally no story. It's, yeah, that's it's how, literally a couple being tortured in the most graphically realistic way possible for 90 minutes. Like Flowers of Flesh and Blood was the one that Charlie Sheen saw and thought it was a snuff film they had to get everybody in you know like go to the the court and prove that like it wasn't a snuff film chris gore is the one who showed that to charlie sheen too oh really yeah with hostile there's still i hostile and hostile 2 and uh, to a certain degree hostile 3 all have like cool stories along with them and the gore is more of an endurance test. It kind of takes me back to a lot of the old 70s grindhouse films where they did do a lot of really awful things. And it's kind of taken a little bit to the nth level with this. And it was something unique and and, uh, original in the fact that it was like, holy crap, look at how brutal this is being. But it had the story to go along with it, which is why I didn't think that, you know, it wasn't just torture. I I disagree with the whole story part. But, But regardless, that's, you know, whatever. I mean, they're really getting you to know the characters before bad things happen to them, which is always how I think that horror movies should be. You want to get to know the characters. And that's one of the problems I have with horror movies now is they're un- – that's why so many movies like Unfriended and Found Footage movies, the characters are always unlikable assholes because you want them to die. The Blair Witch, the new one. I hated every single – the only character I didn't hate – was the little punk rock girl with the pink hair. So of course she's mm-hmm. one of the first ones to die. Cause yeah, you gotta, you gotta get rid of the non-irritating character, right? Yeah, you gotta get rid of the one that's actually, you know, she's doing the intelligent things. She was like, well, let's get out of here. Ah! You know, but yeah, kill her immediately. You know, let the other assholes that just are yelling back and forth at each other, let them continue to live throughout the whole film. But, uh, that's the thing with, with most horror movies now, you hate the characters and you want them to die. Where in the old horror films, you know, you still to a certain degree would root for the bad guy, but there was also like the heroes. There were the people in the film that you liked. There were the people's, uh, the actors and actresses and stuff that you wanted to survive. You wanted them Tommy to be Jarvis. Better. You were behind Tommy Jarvis, not Jason in those three movies. Oh, hell yeah. I was so You're like, on go his- Tommy, especially when Tom Matthews had the role. Again, to go to part six, he made Tommy downright likable. Cause in part yeah. five, Tommy was kind of a jackass, but by six, he was downright likable. Well, five also wasn't Jason either, so they but were going to set it up. But it was still Tommy, and that was still continuity. But that's what I'm but, saying. But yeah. they were they were actually setting it up to where Tommy was going to become Jason, which would but have then, been interesting. It would have been interesting. It would have definitely sent the whole thing into a different direction. But then, you know, with six, they brought him back, and they went into the whole supernatural aspect of it. And that's when I really thought it. I was like, okay, I'm really on board. The first I film mean, where Jason's actually a zombie, right? You know, as opposed to just uh, you know super mentally challenged kid (laughs) well but then that brings up something else friday the 13th part six was the first one that used humor to the degree that it did and and you get this in a lot of movies horror and humor can go together but unfortunately a lot of inept filmmakers seem to seem to think the movie should be a comedy first 
in a horror setting. Instead of understanding why Return of the Living Dead or Friday the 13th Part 6 or Jason X work, where the humor is wrapped into the situation that they're in. Far too many movies have the characters constantly making quips, or there's all these nudge-nudge, wink-winks at the camera, and it's like, no, horror and comedy, it, it, it's like the pH balance in a pool. Too much of either one wrecks everything. And I think there is too much intentional comedy in modern horror films. They don't understand that there should be a balance. Absolutely. Well, the other thing, too, is you don't know how many commentaries that I've listened to where they're like, we needed to give the uh, the audience a break, so we put in some comedy. No, you don't need, like, okay, if your movie is a horror comedy, obviously you need horror and comedy. But if your movie is a horror movie and it organically has humor, that's fine. Return of the Living Dead. Go back and look oh, at Return yeah. of the Living Dead. Those characters are making funny comments, but the horror aspects don't stop. It's just they are making funny comments because the characters are kind of idiots, and it actually fits with their character. And then you had, send more cops. I mean, stuff like that, that's awesome. It works, and it it uh, it does take, uh you know, it is little nudges here and there, but it's not like all of a sudden uh they just bust in with uh, somebody who is, uh, you know, the, the feats don't fail me now characters just out of, oh, God, just why do you feel the need to put in a jackass that every, like, that no one likes in order to try to force in humor? It drives me up the freaking wall. Well, and, but then you've got stuff like, like the Feast movies. Now, I haven't seen past Feast 2. I think there's four now. I know there was three. I Is there maybe, four? I only knew they, I thought they stopped at three. I, well, m m maybe they did stop because I gave the f up. Feast One is the worst kind of horror comedy to me. Oh, come on. Especially when you go when you watch the Project Greenlight and you see these writers that are sitting there with these smug looks on their face and they literally are like, "Oh my god, we are so clever." No. That's one of the reasons were... I hate Joss Whedon so much. These, "Oh my god, I am so clever." But like their whole thing about naming the hero character Hero and he dies 1 minute after showing up because, "Oh my god, we're so clever." No, oh, you're not. Damn. You really aren't. There were two guys that were that were big genre fans and they were having a lot of fun with it. Like I thought the first feast was an absolute blast. I, I mean, the, hated it. I, uh, I hated the, it. I, the, I, I, to me the second one was an endurance test. The first one I just straight up didn't like. The alien ate the the uh ate Krista Allen's kid and threw it up on her. I mean that's how like it was so over the top it like that's like that was intentionally supposed to be a horror comedy so it worked i thought that that feast was a lot of fun and i'd laugh my ass off at it and i enjoyed the fact that they were playing a lot with uh the different tropes and whatnot the the girl leaves and they're like oh my god she went she got the car and she's leaving like it like stuff like that it was it was funny I like Feast. I like Feast and, and a lot. See, I, I, I didn't like it. Like, you know, one of the running jokes was Henry Rollins is this big, huge drill instructor guy, and he gets his pants pulled off, so he's got to wear pink sweatpants throughout the whole thing. Ha, 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 big, tough guy in pink sweatpants. That was the entire joke of his character, and it's like, oh, my God, shut the fuck up. You just, like, were, were you not held enough as a child? <laughs> Did you, did you, well, just, will, will somebody please love this guy? He's so cranky. Then let's end on horror comedy. 
let me put it this way. What about comedy horror? When you have something that is made as a comedy, but they want to bring horror tropes in, like the haunted house movies, the scary movies, or you've you've got stuff like uh, what what was that one Brad did a while ago with Sherman Hemsley, scared stiff or something? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, I think you, I think that was it, scared stiff. You know, you have stuff like that where they're comedies first, but they're set in like a horror a horror genre, haunted honeymoon. Yeah. Those tend to not work like 99% of the time. Why do you think that horror can add comedy much easier than comedy can add horror? Because most of the time the comedy, if they try to do the comedy first and then add the horror second, a lot of times the comedy is not strong enough to uh, support. And then the horror is just not scary. So you end up having two fails. And, and I think that sums up like all of the scary movies. Like, and then they just kept getting worse and worse and worse, and they kept making these. And then I heard they're making a third haunted house movie because apparently, uh, apparently Marlon Wayans really thinks he's goddamn funny, and he really is not. No, he's not. We might be the wrong people to judge something like that. I didn't see any of the haunted house movies in the theater, but I was in the theater when they played the trailers for the first two when each one of those came out. I'm in a predominantly white area, and that th those theaters were uproarious with laughter while I was sinking into my seat going, Ugh. So maybe we're the wrong audience for something like Haunted House. Uh, yeah, yeah I guess. Uh, it's kind of like uh, a lot of those. Although, the thing is, Fifty Shades of Black came out, and nobody went to see that. So, uh, and then what was the other one? Meet the Blacks. Nobody went to see that. So I think that, uh, there are things where they come out where they think they know their audience and then they find out that their audience doesn't really care. I think the Haunted House movies are awful of what I've seen of them. Uh, they were just painful and, uh, I would, you know, just avoid that crap. Uh, the scary movies, like, I think scary movie, scary movie one I thought was funny and three had some, three was okay, but three had a few really big laughs in it. After that, it was just like um, all the other insert word movies, you know, epic movie. Um, it was okay. No, I, I can explain. It, it was perfectly. reference movie. They were a channel awesome film. <laughs> Am I wrong? With, with a with a ninety million dollar or with a however much you know budget. Uh, it was yeah. They were reference the movie is basically all they were. I'm really I'm really surprised. Scary Movie Six didn't have Doug Walker on the credits. Horror. I guess the final question to you is just straight up. Why horror? I don't know, really, to be perfectly honest. It's just, uh, it just, like, out of all the genres out there, it's just the one that I always come back to. I mean, I love all kinds of things. I love action. I love exploitation. I love, uh, you know, a good, even a good drama. But, uh, there's something about horror that keeps me coming back. There's just that element of entertainment that, uh, you really don't get with a lot of other films. It's just interesting. A lot of, uh, the low budget ones where they'll, you know, you see how they cut corners and some of them are really scary even though they don't have a lot of money. And then other ones are just laughable and and, uh, like silly, but horror just has something that uh, I don't get with uh, other genres because uh, it just has a little bit of something. It, no matter what mood I'm in, there's usually a horror film that will fill that. I can't explain it for me. I've always been attracted to horror, whether it be comic books, novels, even just, you know, like when I was a kid, you'd be walking down the cereal aisle. I'm three years old. Hey, that, that cereal's got a vampire on it. I want that. 
I've always been attracted to, you know, the, the Saturday afternoon movies and, you know, Elvira's show, Joe Bob Briggs. I've always been attracted to the horror side of things. And I can't explain why. I, I go into that a little bit more. I don't know exactly when it's going to come out, but Stephen Bissett, the, the comic artist and creator, Stephen Bissett has a new book coming out, horror comics throughout the, throughout the decades. And I wrote a chapter for that. And I go into a little bit about this, why horror comics meant so much to me. I don't know. I, I can't explain it as, as verbally as it's just something I really, really like. That said, where can we find the horror that is Cecil T. trying to be funny? You can find me being horrific over at escapismagazine.com, goodbadflicks.com, uh, as well as all of your favorite social media platforms, uh, Twitter and Facebook. Although I found out if you are following me on Instagram, I do not have an Instagram account. That is an imposter. So uh, do not follow goodbadflicks Instagram account. That's not me. I wonder if it's the same person that impersonates me. I don't know. But uh, whoever they are, they're saying they're me. And uh, not cool. Not cool, you f***ing asshole. All right, you can find me at 1201beyond.com. You can contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Remember, guys, horror is all year round. It's not scary movies on Netflix for October. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night. <laughs>
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.